Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode. That's it's only the second, but it's still another episode of Jewish Drinking, the video. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, then it's a podcast as well. So, as you may have noticed, I said the second. We have a first one, and if you're curious, on I know I'm sorry if you're on the podcast, but if you're on YouTube. You can click up somewhere here on the card and you can find the very first episode, an introduction to the series, the video series, the podcast series, whatever it is. The funny thing is if you listen to that, you will see, I'm not really sure if this is really going to be a podcast. I'm just doing it as a video, but I did indeed turn into a podcast. And so if you're curious about this one, you started watching this, you said, what is this? I'm not spending my entire time watching a video, but I'll listen to it on podcast you can click up wherever this card is somewhere on the top of the screen and you can find the podcast of this very episode as opposed to the first episode in which I talked about what I was going to be talking about and I talked about drinking but wasn't actually doing any so in this episode I'm actually uh, I am actually doing drinking I am drinking I'm not just it's like having a gardening show but not actually doing any gardening so I'm doing a drinking show and I am actually so this is my first time drinking anything from uh, this Chicago based brewery temperance beer so they've got this dry hop cream ale and this English style ale if you're curious about my thoughts on these beers they're interesting they're intriguing especially this English style IPA I'm not used there are plenty of IPA styles etc but an English style is actually quite clever so if you're curious again I love these cards man you can click up here, find out my thoughts on these uh, this temperance beer stuff. So, that having been said, that out of the way, let's get into talking about what I really do want to talk about, which is drinking on Sukkot. Sukkot is coming up. I'm shooting this video Sunday night before Yom Kippur and hopefully posting this after Yom Kippur, but still before the holiday of Sukkot, so this hopefully remains fresh and relevant. And Drinking is a thing on Sukkot, it is. And obviously it doesn't compare to after the very tail end of Sukkot when we get to Simchas Torah, which is uh, up there with Purim as being the most drinkingest days of the Jewish calendar. But Sukkot still has a certain aspect to it. Now there are two place, two main places in in the Torah where we see Sukkot, Sukkot, the holiday of Sukkot discussed. So one is in the 23rd chapter in Leviticus, but we also see it in the 16th chapter in Deuteronomy, and there, there's language that talks about you should be happy, you should rejoice on your holiday, and the subsequent verse that you should simply be happy. Now, this is, uh, look, happiness, it's a harvest festival, it's a great time, let's be happy, that's really what the theme of this holiday is, right? And it's, it's crazy, because we're it's right on the heels, right on the tail of, we just had Yom Kippur, it's been, it was like literally the most solemn, the most somber, the most serious day of the entire Jewish calendar and days later we're, we're rejoicing, we're celebrating, we're, we're being happy. So it's a huge emotional swing on the Jewish calendar, but here we are. Getting into what I want to talk about of drinking in Sukkot, I want to slightly shift, which is then talking about a Baraita, an early rabbinic teaching on Pesachim 109a in the Talmud. I love the Talmud, I just have to disclose that. I'm a big fan of the Talmud. And there, there's an early rabbinic teaching which states that a person is obligated to make the, his children and also the people of his house happy. He needs to make them happy on a holiday, on one of these three uh, key regalim, these, uh, these uh, pilgrimage festivals of Pesach, of Passover, of Shavuot, 
and also of Sukkot. So of these three, and then it references our verse from Deuteronomy referencing uh, Sukkot, which is You should be happy. You should rejoice on your holiday. And then, uh, and actually, the text then continues. It says, "Okay, that's nice the, that you should make them happy, but are you like dancing around, doing puppet shows?" It says, "Bomam So how do you actually make them happy? Begin. Do it with wine. Make them happy with wine. And now it's fascinating because right uh, later, as part of that same text, Rabbi Yehuda, who is the most quoted, the most referenced sage in all of the Mishnah. If you're curious, you can click up here on that card. Find out a little bit more about that, and he says, uh, "Well, it, it's not exactly a you know a straight line. Everybody gets the exact same. You're not just pouring wine down people's throats. Men, what's appropriate for them? Women, what's appropriate for them? So he, you know, men don't always drink exactly the same amount as women do for for wine. But now that I've mentioned a rabbinic teaching, an early rabbinic teaching from the Talmud, we're now going to move on to two other rabbinic teachings, early rabbinic teachings from the Talmud." and they are actually more specifically about Sukkot. So the first one is on Sukkah 28b, also in the Babylonian Talmud, and it says, uh, quoting Teshvu, so this is from Leviticus 23, I mentioned this is one of the places that Sukkot is talked about, Teshvu. So it says, you shall dwell in these huts, these booths for a week, and the rabbi says, Ke'en Taduru, similar to how you reside, how you live, and so you, so you're supposed to flip how you live. You're supposed to make your regular house, your regular dwelling to be temporary and your hut, your booth, your sukkah, however you want to call it, that you're supposed to make permanent. And how do you do that? You bring in all your stuff, you bring in your, your drinking ware, your vessels, etc. And there you do several things. You eat, you drink, and you hang out as well as you do some learning, you do some teaching there. And those four activities are, that is the main locus of activity. You're, you're drinking there, you're eating there, you're, you're hanging out. Those are the things, and you're doing some teaching, you're learning. You're doing those four things in the sukkah. Now there's a, another brisa, which actually, another early rabbinic teaching, which actually appears literally prior to that on the exact same, on the exact same page. It's kol shivat hayamim adam keva All these seven days, a person makes a sukkah that as a set dwelling place, and his house is a temporary dwelling place. And it says, Ketzad, how do you do that? And then it says, Oh, you take your stuff from your house, you take it out to your sukkah, and there you're going to you're going to eat, you're going to drink, and you're going to hang out. That's going to be basically your house, because that's what you do at home. You eat, you drink, and you hang out, right? Those are the things you do at home. Those are the things you're going to do in your sukkah. You're just switching your locus of activity from your house to your sukkah, which is your house for that week. Okay? Great. That's that's what we do. That's the idea that the early rabbis are getting out of these verses. You're, you're flipping it. You're flipping from the permanence, the, the permanent residence to your temporary residence and vice versa. That's really it. These activities are being displaced. The rabbinic text which appears is on the subsequent page on Sukkot 29a where Rava, one of the most famous, most influential, most impactful rabbis in the entire Babylonian Talmud, says that your food vessels you, you can take them into your house to clean them, take them out of your, outside your sukkah, but your drinking vessels, the stuff you drink out of, those you can just leave inside the sukkah. Presumably, you could probably just rinse them out, wash them out, whatever it is, that's not so bad. But when you have like food matter on plates and other stuff, that's not really meant to be taken care of or cleaned off inside the sukkah. But, you know, 
you got your drinking vessels, that's that's a totally separate matter. That's that's not as dirty or disgusting. Okay, so now we're gonna fast forward. I'm sure we can talk about Ramba, Maimonides, and a whole bunch of other uh, medieval sages. And if you like this stuff, we can revisit this all next year. This is like the hundred, you know, the hundred level college course of talking about uh, drinking on sukkah practices. If you're really curious, if you're really interested, you want to take a deep dive next year around the same time as we develop. JewishDrinking.com and the various media that I'm pumping out there. We could have guests, we could have uh, some good old chilling in the sukkah. I'm open to that. Alright, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to what's known as the Shulchan Aruch. If you're not familiar with if you are familiar with that, I don't need to tell you anymore. You can skip ahead 10 seconds. If you're not familiar with it, it translates to the set table and it was written in uh, the 16th century by Rabbi Yosef Karo and he laid out, it's called a set table, he laid out a table, he set out uh, basically Jewish practices on it. Anyways, but he basically says in here, in it's in uh, Shulchan Aruch Orachim, The Way of Life in 639, and he says, look, the sukkah, just like, just like the rabbi said, it is the locus of, act of these primary activities of eating, drinking, he also adds sleeping into what we're uh, supposed to be doing. I'm just going to move forward. I love the rabbis. I love talking about Talmud, rabbinic literature. That's that's a lot of fun for me. I'm going to skip ahead to the Shulchan Aruch for now, which is the set table, literally translates to set the set table by Rabbi Yosef Cairo in the 16th century. And what he did was set out a lot of laws, practices, customs, etc. And in six, in the, the it's in Orachim 639, if anybody's following at home, if you're that familiar enough with this body of literature, you can go check it out, 639. And the first one, 639.1, he talks about in the sukkah, that is the locus for eating, drinking, and sleeping. And he iterates that in 639.2, and he says, you know what, you can drink inside the sukkah, that's fine, that's good, you should be, but you don't have to, right? And that you can drink water outside of the sukkah, that's fine, and even wine. He goes out of his way to say it's fine even to drink wine outside of the sukkah, that's fine, right? Uh, but if you do, want to make sure that you drink all of your wine inside of the sukkah, that's good. And moreover, he said, even if you want to go all the way and be kind of extreme and drink water, make sure every single drop of water you drink during the holiday of Sukkot inside your sukkah, that's great. Hare Zem and Shubach. That, you, that person should be praised. That's really like, that's awesome. Like, you go dude. Like, uh, that's really awesome. So, but when it comes to the blessing. There's a blessing we say, uh, which basically is, it was, you know, thank you God, all this, all of the standard boilerplate blessing language, you know, barakata, etc. And then, etc., whatever. So, <laughs> you've commanded us to dwell in the sukkah, so that's the blessing. And he says in 639.8, we're accustomed only to do it on, with this blessing only when we're eating. Uh, certain things so you have to do certain grains I'm I'm not gonna go deep into that because this is not jewisheating.com this is jewishdrinking.com thank you very much but drinking as well as sleeping hanging out all these things don't require a blessing in fact you probably should avoid saying a blessing when you're doing this and even I know you might be drinking beer mead wine whatever it is you're drinking none of these uh, are we accustomed to say a blessing when we're performing these or we're carrying out these activities inside the sukkah it's Eating is like the main thing, that's the main thing that we're, we're setting that, that blessing around, is, is those, the eating of those particular grains. So, 
it's fascinating, right? We've got all these things, and so when you think about it, it then comes down to what about Havdalah, right? Because Havdalah is a special, like a ritualistic ceremony that we do both at the end of the first days of the holiday, as well as if there's a Shabbat occurring amidst the holiday, which it happens this year. We have a Shabbat ending in the middle of the, middle of the week of Sukkot. What do you do about Havdalah? So it turns out it's a good practice to do Havdalah inside of the Sukkah. It's a good thing. You should do it. But at the same time, there's no requirement to do it within the Sukkah, to do it inside of the Sukkah. Uh, but it, it's great. You should do it. You, that, that, it's wonderful. You're like marrying together these two like religious ritual sort of aspects going on. Havdalah with Sukkah is great. But you don't really have to, especially if it's raining or who knows. Now I know you're going to say, do you say that blessing? So I'm going to basically say no. And I, now we're, we're, we're transitioning into the blessing part of this, this video, which is I already said that in 639.8 of Orachim in the Shulchan Rabbi Cairo said, we're not accustomed to saying a blessing when we don't have any of those grains. So when it comes to wine, we also don't. And Havdalah, we don't say the blessing. We just don't. And another question, now, now, some people may say, well, there are lots of debate, there's discussion, that's true. But if you think of this video as like a 100 level course, an introduction to drinking on Sukkot, you might then say, this is a great topic for the 200 level course that we can discuss next year at the same time around. And you're right, you would be 100% correct. This is a great deeper dive conversation to have at that one, especially with someone else who knows, maybe we're drinking a Sukkot. Great ideas. Okay, so keep that in mind for next fall. But in the meantime, another thing that pops up, so in the Mishnah Burah, which uh, translates to the clarified teaching written by the same guy who authored, the same rabbi who authored Chafetz Chaim, he says, well, what about if you have a bunch of people and they're hanging out and they're drinking wine? And you said, we're having a wine drinking session. This is what we're doing. So he's like, eh, you know what? Even though typically you're drinking gatherings, when you get together and you, whenever you drink, that does not 100% need to take place in a sukkah. But if you happen to be like, you're sitting down, you're setting yourself and you're, you're having a group who's drinking wine, mead, beer, whatever it is, that really should uh, be taking place in the sukkah. The locus of that activity should be in the sukkah. It should not be taking place elsewhere. But at the same time, if it does, it there is no blessing unless you bring out snacks of a certain type that require that blessing. I hope you've had a good time here with me watching this video, listening to this video, especially for you podcasters out there. And I hope that this has been an enlightening, educating, uh, I don't know if it's entertaining, but certainly educating and informational video when it comes to drinking on Sukkot. Again, quickly review. Sukkot is a happy holiday, it's full of joy, it's meant to be rejoicing, wine is part of that. We say Kiddush, both uh, Shabbat, but as well as the holiday itself. So there's definitely required drinking, as it were, although for, you know, contemporarily, if people have alcohol problems or alcohol issues, you can use grape juice instead. That's, that's obviously an out, but uh, for those of you who don't, wine's there as part of Kiddush as well as Havdalah. And then, 
for those for the rest of the holiday you can drink wine or whatever else that's certainly a great component as part of the holiday and the celebrating of it but it does not need to take place within the sukkah you're allowed you have that freedom if let's say you want to go to a brewery you can go you don't need to find a brewery that happens to have a sukkah outside you can go you can drink wherever you like this this does not restrict you eating is a bigger issue but drinking because this is jewishdrinking.com, you are not restricted for the locus of your uh, beverage consumption during this holiday. And when it comes to Havdalah, it should be done with inside the sukkah, but there's not 100% obligation. There's no blessing when you, when you, uh, a special, there's no special blessing over drinking when you, when it comes to the sukkah, although eating is a separate matter. And uh, if you want to get together with a bunch of folks and you're drinking, it should preferably be done inside the sukkah, just like Abdallah. You're getting together. It's a very, it's a, it's a set activity that should be done inside the sukkah. But again, not 100% ironclad, absolute requirement. So I hope you enjoyed this introduction. This, uh, as I would like to call it, an introductory level conversation to drinking on the holiday of Sukkot. If you like this, please let me know. If you don't like it, please let me know. How can I improve aside from? the lighting, the production quality, all those things. Curious about next week's video? Here's a little snippet. My big thing used to be sleep. And sleep happens in this book, and but it's really incidental to the story, to the message. However, drinking actually is not a sideline participant. It's actually deep in the thicker things here when it comes to what's the message of the, of the book and the really work that drives me So, and Rabbi Epstein, what about you? What's your, what's your interest? So, a little bit similar to your story, I, I kind of stumbled upon Kohelet um, at random, was never taught it in school, never really knew it, kind of knew these kind of later books, uh, like I mentioned in the future, there's the Tanakh, which is acronym for Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim, or sometimes referred to as the Hebrew Bible, the kind of the back of the book, the writings section, not so, um, you know, well known. And kind of after reading it and understanding it and kind of going over in it, I was amazed. Never read anything like it in my life. Shocked that it was in the Tanakh. And if you know, in the Talmud, in the Gemara, they think about banning it for a number of reasons. I'm looking to improve. If you have uh, stuff you'd like to send my way, I'm open to it. I'm also open to ideas, topics, suggestions, etc. And looking to uh, help you, provide you value, provide you quality on Jewish drinking topics. And I hope you have a very joyous, healthy, and happy holiday of Sukkot. M'chaim and b'samachta b'chagecha.